Hello and welcome to the Environmental Science Careers Podcast. I'm glad you're joining me today. My name is Julia. I'm an environmental scientist, as you might have figured. I'm also a healthy living advocator and a world explorer. If you want to find out more about what it is I do, head over to my website, udoyou.com. But for now, let's dive into today's episode. During my internship this summer at the University of Melbourne, I was fortunate enough to meet a lot of amazing scientists. One of them was Jane Eliff. She is a member of the um, Quantitative and Applied Ecology Group at the University. She is an associate professor and specialist in species distribution models. Actually, she is one of the most highly cited ecologists in Australia as well as internationally, while she is ranked in the top 1% most cited researchers in her field of study. I was fortunate enough to talk to her for a while about her career, how she got into science, why she got into science, if she is happy with how her career unfolded, how she got to the point of being an expert in species distribution models. I also asked her if she thinks it's important to be an expert today to be successful in science. And we also talked a lot about other interesting topics. So let's start with today's interview. Today I'm sitting here with Jane Ely um, from the University of Melbourne. Um, you're an associate professor here as well as a principal researcher, if that's the right. That's right, yes. Um, thank you for joining me. My pleasure. You've had a really interesting career, so I want to talk a little bit about that and your um, special, you're specializing in um, species distribution models, their technical aspects as well as their like, practical uses. Yeah. So I'll maybe get a little bit into that as well. But yeah, I want to start out with kind of an icebreaker, if that's right. Um, if you think of like a person that's close to you, let's say your husband or family member or best friend, how would they describe you in three words? Thoughtful. Yeah. Kind. That's a good one. Gardener. <laughs> Okay. Um, how do you think these um, attributes helped you with your, let's say, um, with your scientific career? Sure. So I guess I guess my I think of the area I found in science is a bit like where I find it feel at home. So I think when I I was clearly um, good at science when I went to school. It was one of the things I could do reasonably well. And um, but I love nature, yeah. and so gardening comes into that, right? And and I like, and and I've discovered as I go along that I really like research. So I guess thoughtful is to do with liking actually um, just spending time looking into things and figuring out how things work. So um, yeah, I guess I guess it's you're very fortunate if you can find a career where you end up sort of working in areas that you've got strengths in and also where you really like, you know, I like nature. I like being able to work with people who care about the world, who care about its future. Um, and and I think part of work and, and being able to be happy with it is enjoying people. And so 
the relationships I have with my colleagues and and um, students and things are important to me. So yeah. I guess it all comes together as important <laughs> parts of both work of and home. Yeah. yeah. So you were always into science or like good at science. So was it clear for you after finishing school that you want to work in science? Uh, I think I'm one of those people who's a bit of a generalist, actually. So I, I always still can imagine other careers I might have taken. So, but I could, I did science fairly naturally. And when I finished school, there wasn't sort of, at that stage, there wasn't conservation biology mm. or environmental science. There were no degrees like that. So I did agricultural science, which was mm. a very good, broad four-year degree at that stage where we did all sorts of things, animal science, biochemistry, economics, microbiology. Okay. So quite broad, but, um, you know, at a university where, where there's a good reputation for the degree and, and you got ended up with a nice broad science education and some sort of practical um applications as well so we had to do farm work and we spent a year away at a sort of small um outer suburban area where they had a piggery and sheep yeah. and things like that <laughs> yeah and there were 50 percent people from the city and 50 percent from the country so it was a good interface between science theory and practice in this case agricultural okay. practice yeah yeah it sounds interesting, but quite different from the ecology and conservation degrees yeah. we have today. So. Indeed. <laughs> Had to relearn things. That's right. So um, after you finished your degree, um, you worked a little bit at the university, is that right? That's right, yeah. And then what happened after? So I, I, I essentially couldn't really decide what I wanted to do at the end of my degree. So I hung around and worked for a while and taught a bit. And then um, I left and had kids. So I decided I wanted to stay at home with my kids. And so I was there for 12 years, Wow, my three sons. <laughs> and, um, and then after that, when I thought about what I wanted to do, I actually still had con- good contacts with people I'd worked with previously and they would regularly ring me up and say, don't you want to come back and <laughs> help with the teaching? <laughs> so I ended up going back part-time and worked again in agriculture for a while and was fortunate enough to end up working in plant sciences and computer science, which was sort of fortunate because I'd had no training in computers. So I suddenly yeah. had to learn on the run. How, and, how did that go? <laughs> I like learning. Yeah. Yeah, it was a bit scary to start off with. <laughs> so it was good. Is that around the time where species distribution modeling started as well for you? or uh, That was earlier than that. So I was still teaching. And then after a while, I sort of thought, no, I don't think I want to stay in this field forever. And I'd met um, Mark Bergman, who became my supervisor, and he was starting up environmental science. And I somehow strangely thought the best way to swap fields was to do a PhD. So Mark <laughs> took me on as a half-time PhD student, and I did that for six years. And so that was starting in the um, late 1990s, and and Australia had a, was sort of um, had a few people who were leading the way in that. So I mm. learned partly from them as well. So it seems to be a quite good time to get into the whole um, modeling kind of area. Yeah, yeah, it was a good time. It was at the start, and and um, and yeah, there were people here with good experience. I had good opportunities to to learn some of the coding, to learn learn yeah. <laughs> learn things like the equivalent of R by myself <laughs> and well, GIS and all those sorts of things. What, what was the equivalent to R back then? So S plus. Yeah, I'm just starting to get into modeling a bit and yeah. it seems quite overwhelming at first and there's so much information out there, I guess, back then it was a little bit different. You had probably 
didn't have too much information about it. No, so, no. Yeah. it was a bit of a steep learning curve and, and no one else around me was learning it either. So I did a lot of um, bugging technical um, helpers on mm. the phone <laughs> asking how to do things and finding things out. But you, I think you did well and you, I guess we could consider you an expert in the species modeling yeah. field. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've gathered <laughs> up a bit of expertise now. <laughs> do you think it's important to be an expert in certain fields these days or is it also good to be to have like generalists who have know like a little bit of everything but no, not really something no, I think that's a good question I, I think um I think partly different things suit, suit different people mm. some of us like to go deep and know a lot about some topics and some people are really good generalists and I personally think the world's richer for having those mm. you know uh, generalists are just so good at adapting to a new situation and applying knowledge from somewhere else into a new one and picking up things quickly and running with them but we need people who we delve deep and really understand things as well yeah. so I'm happy with a world that has both <laughs> <laughs> yeah um do you think it's hard to become an expert these days because there's there are a lot of students out there who want to do like similar things and maybe a lot of like a saturation of experts already in like almost all the fields in like ecology, environmental science, or is there still room? I mean, I think there's room because if I look around, even the people I work with, you know, like so like um, Haney, I work with Haney on a project and she's a specialist in conservation planning and um, and spatial prioritization and using the software in that and so she's well known for that and I guess as I think around about other people there are some people who are specialized I think the pace of things makes it hard now you know we're, mm. we're required for quick outputs and there's lots of um, moves towards quickly getting things out but I you know I mean I guess I would hope that research groups enable deep learning as well so yeah because I really think we do we need experts so that things are done well and 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 yeah I think I think both necessary yeah I, I agree I, I haven't really found my field of expertise yet so <laughs> we'll see <laughs> um have there been any like um, major life career decision points or like in your career would you where you would have said that okay, if I made this decision now in a different way, it would have turned out completely different or did it just like slowly unfold for you? Uh, I guess looking back, it's clear there were decision points, but at the time I think it just felt like what's the next natural thing to do? So I'm, I think some people plan their careers by having a very clear vision and going in one direction, whereas I think I tend to... Um, learn what I'm good at by doing you know so if so if I'm offered a new opportunity and I take it and I figure out whether I think I'm well suited to it or not I think I'm better at learning on the job so so um, I think the obvious uh, time that made a lot of difference to me was deciding to start my PhD and to move into environmental science and I think by then I developed enough understanding of academics and PhDs to know I needed to find a supervisor who, whose work I respected in a field I liked and with whom I can get on well personally. So, so I made a really good choice at that stage and Mark was a great supervisor and, um, and very generous in, in offering me lots of opportunities to 
try things and get to conferences and workshops and all those sorts of things. So that I think that I've no idea what would have happened if I chose something different then, but it, it clearly was a it was a key part in my career. Yeah, mm. yeah. I feel like having a good mentor at an uh, important stage of whatever life yes. career stage um, can be really helpful and yeah. guide you in like a specific direction. Mm. So are you try I am um, are you having like PhD students at the moment or master students? Yes, I have <laughs> I have some of those. I have I co I tend to co-supervise now, so I've had a strange career in that I didn't really start my career till I was into my late 40s, early 50s, and so I've had a very steep early career trajectory mm. and now I guess that you know people would see me as in my later career stages <laughs> so I've sort of been like a mountain top <laughs> quickly over the top um, I now make sure when I take on like major projects or students that I that I co-supervise with people rather than doing by myself because I think one thing you learn in life as you get older is it's hard to predict how long you're going to be doing things for and I always like to support students really well so so I tend to always now co-supervise with people but I enjoy that a lot so I've got PhD students and master students mm -hmm. and postdocs and, yeah, and as you know, a very nice research group that we all come oh, together yes. in. So we're very really? fortunate, really, having a number of number of chief invest, uh, um, principal investigators together running a large-ish. Yeah, um, it was a great experience yeah. working here. Yeah. It's, it seems like a small kind of family group and everybody has so much knowledge but also is so kind to like share yes. whatever they know yes. and like include you. Yeah, yeah. And I think and I think part of that is having a number of lead investigators just means there's enough momentum around that when some of us are busy, others are taking it over and a really good group of postdocs and then the you know, and a and a lot of culture of people taking initiative and sharing what they've got which mm. goes right across all the students and postdocs and others yeah, yeah that's good that's true. we're very lucky <laughs> um do you see the future of like ecology in more the kind of mathematical statistical technical field or is there still room for conservation biologists who want to go out in a field and explore whatever is out there oh, we have to don't we? we have to know what's going on so i think both yeah yeah, yeah. yeah i think I've just been reading on um, big data and ecology and people responding to papers on big data uh, arguing for the absolute importance of mm -hmm. field work and I think you know, we have to understand our systems. I think I, I read in it. some article that you said you don't really go out to the field or do you, no. you don't really like it or it's just oh. because you're more drawn to the species? Well, I love, I love going in. I love being outside. So my recreation is always camping or hiking right. or kayaking. <laughs> um, but um, just really opportunity-wise because I was doing my PhD when my kids were still at school and my husband travelled a lot, um, it would not have been easy to go um, out into the field. I did, I did a few months, but that was about it. Um, but... Uh, more generally, I think my strengths are in the analytical side, so that that's really what I developed. Okay. So it's not that I don't like it, it's just <laughs> more that I've spent my energies on the other. Otherwise, yeah. Yeah, yeah how is that balancing the social and family and um, career academic life? It can be quite yeah. challenging, I yeah, guess. Yeah, it can. I think I've been fortunate in that 
I didn't have to do the balancing because I chose to stay at home with the kids. Yeah. So, so I but sort of now, started on I guess, that war. Or I guess, how old are your children now? Uh, I've got, I've got. 30 year old children and, yeah. and grandchildren and I've got old fa- so <laughs> now you, parents <laughs> you can focus yeah. on, on the uh, academic career more than and the other generations yeah. <laughs> that's true yeah, so I've got, mm-hmm. a, I've got a nice balance do you have any tips for um, balancing the work and social family life for others I think each person's um, route to that is fairly unique, but I, but I guess one of the things I've always felt is um, in life people are really important and relationships are really important and I, I've never wanted to get to the end of my life and I felt like I've ignored things that are really important. So however interesting work is and however much of a passion it can be, I think there are some things that I don't want to trade off and so I think I've always tried to keep enough focus on relationships and people that I won't regret it (laughs) into the future. Um, But we all have to try and figure that out in some way, right, because work is, you know, the the work we do can have big consequences and, you you know, I like to do a good job. I like to spend time doing things and so it always is a challenge trying to balance those things. Yeah, I think especially if you're very, when you're very passionate about what you're doing, it's, you tend to carry it into your personal life as well. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. especially ecologists and conservationists are super passionate about what you're doing usually. So, yeah. yeah. And with university work, of course, you take your laptop home and, oh, you, yeah. and you work at night time <laughs> and you do all those sorts of things. So, yeah, each of us has to work that out somehow. But I think, I mean, we're incredibly fortunate really yeah. in lots of ways too, right, to be working on on interesting things and with – and you know, I always feel so fortunate to be working with people who care about the world and care about nature and how it um, survives. It's a, it's a good group of people to work with. I, I feel the same. Yeah, it's a good yeah. vibe. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I like it too. Um, as a final question, is there anything you would have done differently or let's say um, in terms of um, your career, if you would have known it back then, that would have influenced your pathway in a different way? Hmm. No, I, I, no, I think I feel reasonably satisfied. I mean, I think I can imagine a whole heap of different careers. I, I, I always think I would have quite liked to be a statistician. I would have quite, you know, I could imagine being a forensic scientist There's because I'm quite, mm. you know, I like research, I like data, I like thinking about problems. Um, so, and, you know, even though there are some challenges to changing fields and starting afresh because you, you, you are, you, you're, you know, I've always been conscious of all the things I don't know. I work in sort of with statistical models and, I, and there's, you know, I haven't got a career in statistics and I, um, and I, I could similarly say that in ecology and all sorts of things. I don't have a long background. But I, but I think, you know, often in the world you have to move into an area and learn what you can and I don't think we need to be apologetic for everything we don't know. It's just good to try and make the best of it. So, yeah, um, I feel very fortunate, really. That's a very good tip because I feel like it can be overwhelming to, with all the information that is available out there, mm-hmm. to see what you don't know, but you should definitely focus on what you can do and what you know. 
what you can learn. Yes, yeah, I Perfect. agree. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, thank you so much for being with me here today. Um, I will um, link your um, profile in my website so people know how to find more about <laughs> you and your research, if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and it was really it was a pleasure to meet you and even to spend a couple of hours at the really nice retreat together and play a game of meta population. <laughs> that's right. It's <laughs> a different story, but it was fun. <laughs> Yes, yes, and good luck to you and your travels and meeting more people. This is a great Thank idea. So yeah, yeah I, I, I have a feeling about it. And I really like to get on a more personal level with people without, yes. like, um, of course, small talk is important, but sometimes you feel like you want to have a, like, a bit of a deeper connection yeah. Yeah. with them. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like this could be a really good way to do that. Very nice. Thank you. <laughs> That's it for today. Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you want to find out more about me and my career, or if you're interested in healthy living tips, study hacks, fitness, plant-based simple recipes, or travel experiences, then head over to my website, youdoyou.com. The show notes for this episode, for previous and all future episodes, where a link to whatever is mentioned in the podcast can also be found there. If you enjoyed this episode, then don't forget to subscribe. It also would be really great if you could leave a review or share it on your social media platform of choice, because this will help the podcast to grow and I will be able to share this knowledge with even more people. Until next time. <laughs>